Reading this morning from Philippians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Philippians 1, 1 through 6. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And I want to take the, the sixth verse right there as our text today. I'm going to read that again. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Mr. Larson, could you stand and pray for the message of messengers? We thank you, Lord, for giving us another opportunity to hear your word and to be renewed. For you said your word will not return unto you void. God, give Pastor Halberstadt the, the message, anoint him with your Holy Spirit, guide him, that we might learn, that we might grow. And that we might be set free by the power of precious blood. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Preaching this morning on a title, Finishing What He Started. Finishing What He Started. Starting something we cannot finish is annoying enough. But what about when someone else begins something and leaves it incomplete? I'm sure we all could think of a situation, for example, at the workplace where you relied on someone to complete a task only for them to leave it unfinished, thus causing you to try to complete it or stops you from completing your own tasks. When that's the case, the term we like to use is if you want something done right, you've got to do it yourself. However, in our Bible reading, Paul the Apostle writes, to believers in Philippi, he, ex he exhorts them and lets them know that he who started the great work in their lives has not stopped and will not stop until they make it all the way. He's telling them in Philippi that he that has begun the work, he who has started something in their hearts, in their lives, has not just quit halfway through. He has not just said, well, I've run out of money. We can't finish the project. I, I can't do it. I'm out of the budget. This person who started the work will complete it. However, in our Bible reading, actually, never mind, we'll skip that. What is this good work? Let's see where it begins. First, it begins at salvation. This is the first thing that happens to a person who accepts Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is where it begins. Right here. At the foot of the cross. Major misconception is that you must live right before you get saved. Major misconception. That's wrong. You don't need, you don't take a bath before you take a shower. All right. <laughs> when we come to Jesus, the first thing 
And when we come to Jesus the first time, we are filthy, dirty, undesirable, full of sin. And that's the way Jesus likes it. That's the way Jesus likes it. He likes us dirty and filthy. He likes us to come with our sins and our burdens and our cares. Mark 2 and 15 says, And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick, I come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Believe it or not, I'm going to share a deep secret with everybody here today. It's going to, man, it's going to blow your guys' minds. But before I got saved, I was a sinner. Can you guys forgive me? I was a sinner. I used to curse. I used to lie. I used to do other things. We don't need to mention those. But I used to be a sinner before I came to Jesus. So if you have given your life to Jesus, guess what? You were just like me. You were a rot gut sinner. I'm sorry to offend you, but if you don't have Jesus in your life now, you're a rot gut sinner. If you do have Jesus in your life, you were a rock gut sinner. See, things like feeding the poor, doing good unto other people, giving to charity, does not, does not, does not. I said it three times. Whereby two or three, all things uh, put in motion are solidified. Those things do not save a person. Only the blood of Jesus saves a person. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's nothing wrong with feeding the poor. There's nothing wrong with doing good unto your neighbor and all those things. But it does not save you. You cannot skip to the front of the line because you've given the charity. Now they have this thing down at the Washington State Fair on the opening day that if you bring a school supply or a canned food, it alternates, that you get into the fair for free. You, you don't have to pay like everybody else. You kind of skip to the front of the line. Well, that doesn't work in Christianity. Giving somebody some groceries does not mean you get to go to heaven before everybody else. Does not put you in front of the lines. Romans 2 and 3. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You want to be saved from your sin? You want to break free from addiction? You want to be delivered from hell? You go and kneel before the cross and call out to Jesus. You repent of all your sins, ask him into your life, and guess what? He will deliver you. Amen. He will save you. Yes, sir. Thinking of those guys who try to be smart, and they shave their heads before they go into basic training. I'm going to shave my own hair so that when I get to sit in the barber's chair, I don't have to have them shave my hair. Well, guess what? They still shaved your head. And I saw it. I saw those guys come in who have just had their head shaved by a professional barber, all nice, 
nice and soft. They probably put a little lotion on the head afterwards. And then they get shipped off to basic training. But no, the barber still went and shaved the person's head. Pretty much scalping them. They have all these little blood marks coming out on their head. You're not going to get to the front of the line. You want to get in line? You get in line at the cross? Jesus will accept you. Then you want to make it to heaven? you got to go the same way we've all had to go. The same way Paul had to go. The same way Peter had to go. And James and John and Philip and all those people in the Bible. They had to go to Jesus. So after you get saved... After that initial prayer of salvation, there's a process called the sanctification. This is where Jesus shows up and begins cleaning house. This is when all the filthy things in your life have to go. This is where he starts dealing with your heart about what to get rid of and what to take in. It's sanctification. He begins to expose the sin in your life. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You got saved, and your your first service was good, and maybe you know you didn't really feel convicted. But then you came to a Bible study, you came to a Sunday service, and then the preacher starts talking about sin, and you're like, "Ooh, what? Ow, I can't do that. No, oh, I can't do that." Uh, hey, we have Tuesday night Bible study here. We have Tuesday night Bible study downstairs. And that's where we learn what God expects of us. That's where we learn how to be better Christians. Yes, we learn it here in the message too. But Bible study, we go verse by verse through the Bible to see what God has for us. Come to that. And then we have the home Bible studies. We are trying to launch the home Bible studies. Let's talk to people. Say, hey, you don't really come out to church. What if we come to you? What we'll bring the food, we'll bring the refreshments, you provide the space. We'll provide these little invitations. We're gonna do this. We'll give the, the host invitations so that they can invite their friends and family. So that's not just a bunch of strangers showing up at your house. But they invite their friends and family. And then we'll come. We'll have a good Bible study. Maybe we'll bring a couple board games or something. And we'll make a night of it. We can do this. But he begins to expose the sin in your life. He does this by the conviction of the Holy Ghost. Prompted by scriptures, by preaching, good old-fashioned, right and wrong, common sense. People are afraid of this aspect of being a Christian, but why? The sanctification process. Sin is what caused such turmoil in your life. You should want to get rid of it. You should be like, you know what? Now that I have Jesus in my life, I have something to get me out of the turmoil. I have the power that from Jesus to stop the addiction. I have the power from Jesus to stop the lying, the cursing, and the sleeping around. The things that bring me woe, I can get rid of through the power of Jesus Christ. It's like asking a doctor for medicine to cure your sickness, but you want to keep the symptoms. Mm. Lord, or Mr. Doctor, I want to get rid of this kidney stone. Remember the kidney stone I had? Woo! Last year in the August time frame? That's like me saying, I want to get rid of the kidney stone, but I want to keep the pain. Mm. I'd rather keep the kidney stone and get rid of the pain. The stone, if it's just laying in there, oh fine, whatever, when it moves, that's when it causes the pain. The pain is what I did not like. 
They say you pass kidney stones on a daily basis anyway. Uh, some people don't even know they have them. Kind of like COVID. <laughs> the only virus where you have to get tested to know if you had it or not. Yes, that's on the podcast. I don't care. But you want to keep the symptoms but get rid of the, the sickness. That doesn't make sense. But Jesus wants those who he saves to live right. That is his requirement. I'm going to save you. I'm going to deliver you from hell and from sin. That means you've got to live right. You've got to learn what's right and wrong. 1 Corinthians 6 9. Know ye not that the, the unrighteous, unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. Ooh, Seattle, right? Nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I like how he puts that. Such were some of you to include the effeminate. Mm -hmm. Such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And such were. When Jesus comes in, he cleans house. He cleans house. We got to stop listening to preachers and churches say that you can continue in sin. You cannot continue in sin. You cannot Come to church and raise your hands and call upon Jesus and say, God has done amazing things in my life, and then go home and turn on HBO. Right. I keep using that phrase, turn on HBO. But it's filthy. It really is. Because you were baptized as a baby, does that mean you escape hell? Absolutely not. Hitler was baptized in the Roman Catholic Church. Did you know that? Did he escape hell? But there's maintenance, maintenance that has to continue. Paul reassures the saints at Philippi that this good work from the day that they got saved will continue. He's saying it's going to go on. When you got saved, that wasn't the end of it. It's going to continue. There's things you have to do. And God is going to be there with you each step of the way. God doesn't leave us to ourselves. Like you were just saying, sir. He didn't just on the cross say it is finished and then I'm not going to deal with mankind anymore. It's all done and over with. I'm just going to sit in heaven and they're just going to go about their lives. No, God didn't just leave us to ourselves. He stays and finishes the job. How long until he finishes? You may ask that about a contractor. How long until this roof is finished? How long until this uh, driveway is put together and paved? How long does it take? Until the day of Christ. When's that? When the day he calls you home. Whether it's through the rapture or through natural death. When you close your eyes for the last time, that's when the work of Christ is done and over with. And then you're up there. He's completed his mission. He was faithful all the way through. He doesn't just leave us to figure it out ourselves. Once you let him in, he stays and he won't leave unless you kick him out. 
And that is what is happening today. And it's not always a sin issue that God helps with. He also helps with life issues. For us Christians, he is there to protect this nice clean house that God has come in and, and cleaned and repaired and helps protect it from the elements. Isaiah 59, 19 says, And so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the, we from the east and from the west and the glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. We hear about these insurance commercials. Uh, when uh, mayhem strikes, uh, State Farm and all these people, when the flood strikes, when a disaster happens, we'll protect your home. We have an insurance policy. You take it out, we'll replace your home and the good and your goods that you've lost. That's kind of what God's doing. When the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God is there to lift up a standard against it, a barrier, almost like a bunch of sandbags in front of your life. And there may be some water that seeps in, but you will not be utterly destroyed. God will be there with you, and he'll get you all the way through. Then he says there in Isaiah 54 and 17, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Don't worry about the attacks of Satan. If you're focusing on God and you're serving Christ, nothing will get through. We have an enemy that wants to destroy us. Do we really need to name him? We've already talked about who this enemy was, Satan. He wants to destroy us. Satan wants nothing more than to bring the souls of mankind down the hell with him. Satan isn't paid by the hour. He's commissioned. <laughs> Each person he can get. And he works really hard. And he doesn't need your help doing it. He doesn't need our help. Get dragging down other men and women. He doesn't need your help. When it comes to sinners, all Satan has to do is keep them from hearing about Jesus. I remember one time talking to a woman at Fred Myers. I invited her out to church. She said, Oh, I don't do church. I don't do church. When it comes to believers, all he has to do. So when it comes to sinners, just keep them out of church. Whatever excuse he can give them to keep them out of church. But for believers, all he has to do is discourage, distract, and sow discord. It's a little harder for Satan to take out a believer. He's got to attack in different ways. Discourage, distract, and sow discord. Discourage. It's too hard being a Christian. I'm trying to live right, but I can't. I keep falling in sin. I can't get the Holy Ghost baptism. They keep telling me to come up and start praying in tongues and receive the Holy Ghost, but I can't do it. I knew someone who fell out because of that. Became so discouraged because he couldn't get the Holy Ghost that he stopped coming to church. And God was doing wonderful things in his life too. I'm afraid of what others will think. I'm afraid of having to uh, put, that, put God in front of other things. That's discouragement. And then he distracts. 
I've got this new job. I'm too busy for the things of God. I've got someone new in my life. I got a boy. I finally got a boyfriend. I finally got a girlfriend. Hopefully it applies in the right way. <laughs> men with women, women with men. That's how the Bible, that's what God put in the Bible, and that's what we're going to live by. Right. Sorry, there's no other combinations. I don't care if it's on the podcast or not. There are no other combinations of relations. I'm pursuing this endeavor. And they get distracted from God. Satan even uses elements of God's word to distract people from the core message of the gospel. What am I saying? He uses things in the word of God to distract you from the word of God. What am I talking about? How, what's an example of this? People are more focused on end times events rather than the blood of Jesus. Yes, end times prophecies will happen. They are a reality. There is a reason God has included them in his word. And they are profitable in our growth as a Christian. But born again believers won't be here for the Antichrist. Right. We won't be here for the mark of the beast. Right. We won't be here for any of these other things. I got a letter recently. I don't know if you guys saw me walking around a couple weeks ago. I had this letter and I was really distracted by it. Because I'm trying to read it. And we're trying to set up for church. And... A letter was from some guy down at no return address. First of all, no return address. His website is a, a free blog dot site, so it wasn't even a website. I tried looking it up. There's nothing there. But he's he, he dressed it out. You know how he got the information for the church? Maybe went on a church locator. Uh, we are on churchfinder.com and whatnot. So maybe he's just writing all these letters to churches. He typed it up. And he's telling me about all these end times prophecies and stuff. Some of them he's using scripture. And I'm kind of reading it with a grain of salt. He's using the scripture. It's in King James. But he starts saying like uh, things like the eagle that is mentioned in the Bible. You know, we're talking, we're saying that song, Rise Up Like an Eagle on Eagle's Wings. And there was another prophecy in there referencing an eagle. He says, that eagle was a prophecy about Hitler and the Nazi party in World War II. And I'm like, I'm sorry. No, guy. And nothing in that letter, nothing in that letter exhorts us to come to salvation. Nothing in that letter telling any of us how to come to Jesus. It was all about this doom and gloom coming. The end is near. But you know what? Jesus had said the end was near 2,000 years ago. And we're still here. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. But these are the last days, yes. We are drawing closer, yes. But the Bible says no man knows when God is going to wrap it up. No man knows when the rapture is going to happen. We can see different things that we can say is a foreshadowing of. And, and it will lead into it. But that's fine. But you know what? They've been having things with computer chips and implants and all that stuff for decades. It's been brewing. And who knows what it's going to be? We don't know. But you know what? I did not get saved because I was told about Revelation. I got saved because someone told me about how Jesus died for me. How he gave his life for me. And I'm not going to be here for those events. 
I'm not going to be here for them. So yes, I'll study them as the Lord leads me to, but I'm not going to focus my entire salvation on it. Because what if I die? <laughs> I have a greater chance of dying before the rapture happens. If you think about it, I could die from anything. I could trip on a leg of these chairs, small, I fall, smack my head, I'm dead. Uh, uh, blood clot to the brain, I'm dead. Go walk out and get hit by a bus, I'm dead. I could choke on a muffin and die. You don't know. But John, Paul, Peter, all these people... They didn't get saved because they knew what the revelation was. John had already given his life before he received the revelation on Patmos. I'm not saying this stuff's not important, but it's not required for salvation to know it. And then there's current events that Satan uses to distract us. Current events, a.k.a. our wonderful COVID-19. The hysteria behind it. Millions have faded away from church because they have stopped coming because of fear. Even though their churches have reopened. How many people are really watching church online? I couldn't do it. I really had a hard time doing it when we were shut down. When we legally could not have church because everything was shut down. They had online churches. Some of our churches were able to live stream. I tried but I just couldn't get into it. It was really hard. And then, you know, the feed would skip and the, the, the internet would give out. But Satan has used the COVID to stop people from coming to church. And he's dragged people out of church because of it. The more you miss church, the less you miss church. We are open. Praise God. But despite these attacks of Satan, Jesus will complete his work. Jesus doesn't get scared off by the devil. It's the other way around. God will have the final victory. The only thing that can stop Jesus from completing the work he started in you is to stop him from blessing you. Stop him from keeping the wolves from coming into the house that is your life. You are the one that can stop Jesus from finishing his work. And you do that by turning your back on him. He is still with us. Jesus is still with us. Romans 8 and 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Jesus right now in heaven is making intercession for us. Intercession, another, form, another word of pleading, of praying. Jesus prays for us. But you don't think anybody else is praying for you? Jesus is. He's saying, Father, do something. Father, clear their path. Father, bless them. It's Jesus who is making intercession, just like a lawyer. And he says that in another place, that Jesus acts like a lawyer for us. First John 2, 1. My little ch children, these things I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, here, here's what I was just talking about. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And we do sin as believers, and we generally repent of it. Jesus acts like a lawyer on our behalf. 
Like what he says there in John 14 to 16. Jesus is saying this. And I will pray the Father. And he shall give you another comforter. That he may abide with you forever. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost. Whom the Father will send in my name. He shall teach you all things. And bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. While Jesus is up in heaven praying for us and defending us before God the Father, we have been given the Holy Ghost to help us in our Christian walk. This good work that Paul spoke of is not just a single event. It begins when we've given our lives to Jesus. It continues as we walk in the light. And it ends when we close our eyes and our death and open up again in heaven. There are three questions I must ask this morning. Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you given your life to Jesus? Have you let him in to help you clean up the mess in your life? And are you helping him clean up the mess in your life? If you can answer yes to these three things, then take comfort that he will do his part and carry you all the way through to the very end. If you said no to the first question this morning, you have an opportunity right now to change that answer to yes. And then he will begin the good work in your life. As we bow our heads and close our eyes in reverence to him, Ashley, let's stand. Let's stand this morning. Let's stand. Have you let Jesus into your life? Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Have you backslidden? You may have given your life to Jesus some years ago, but since then, you have not been walking in his light. You have been not walking in the right path. Have you stopped this good work that he has begun in your life? Today you can change that. You can come to Jesus for a fresh anointing. You can come to Jesus for a fresh start. Saying, Jesus, come into my life. Resume the work you have started in my life. Forgive me for walking away. Forgive me, Jesus. Come back into my life. I need you, Lord. I need you today. And he will. And if you've never asked Jesus into your life, if this is your first time hearing a gospel message, you can say, Jesus... I need you in my life. I need you. This is the first time I'm asking you into my life. And I need you, Lord. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins on the cross. And that you rose on the third day. And he will come in. And he will save you. And he will begin this amazing work. That will carry you in all the way to the very end. But it starts with you today starts with you right now. What decision will you make? Are you 
Can you guarantee yourself that you have another minute left on this earth? Can you guarantee that you're not going to walk out these doors and drop dead? No, you can't. Jesus is calling right now. He's knocking on the door. Will you answer it? There's no mistake while you're here today. Jesus is reaching out for you. He wants to finish the work that he has started on the cross in your life. Let's find a place to pray. This altar is open. If you need prayer, come down to this altar. If you need to accept Jesus in your life, come down to this altar right now. If you need to renew your life to him, if you need him back in your life, come down to this altar. I'll pray with you. Well, let's find a place to pray right now. This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at nttcrenton at gmail.com.